Hello, my name is Maiwa and welcome to Maiwa in Conversation, a podcast that aims to explore the unique perspectives of Africans. This season, I have conversations with Nigerians that are making an impact by disrupting societal and cultural norms, fighting against injustices, creating new paths and platforms, and who are showing that there are in fact limitless possibilities on the continent. On this episode, I'm talking to Dennis Osadebe, a mixed media artist based in Lagos, Nigeria. Dennis's post-pop style centers around the idea of reimagining Africa and places Africa in context of the future. Dennis's work is characterized by the use of flattened planes, minimalist geometric shapes, and bold colors. Dennis has also coined the term Neo-Africa in response to what he thinks is the lazy and limiting term African art. In doing this, Dennis encourages Africans and the world to reframe the traditional in ways that speak to the current moment and the future. Thank you for joining me today, Dennis. My pleasure. Um, thank you for having me. So let's just get right into the interview. A lot of your work explores the tension between the past, the present, and the future. And I think this tension manifests itself in all areas of life. How does this tension inform your work? Um, I'd say... Uh... In general, uh, my work, you know, tries to explore the connection between uh, tradition, innovation, and modernism. And in that, um, when we say tradition, it could deal with, you know, the past, it could deal with culture, it could just deal with everyday habits, so to speak. And, you know, I think it changes form through acts of innovation. Mm -hmm. In, in the sense that, you know, the mediums I use or the, the way I choose to present it, I try to, you know, just present it in a more modern context. Um, I think that what is most important to me is that um, there is a connection with, with the past and the future. And that's, you know, in that connection, there is a, there is a meaning, you know, there is a, to how we have come to where we have. So um, I wouldn't say, I, wouldn't, I don't think the, the word is tension. I think mm -hmm. it's more of a connection, a, mm -hmm. a direction. You know, I think, um, yeah, I think it's more of it manifesting into how everything of the past informs the future, everything of the present also informs you know the past and uh, and what is to come so um yeah so i like my work to kind of just sit in that area of dealing with these different periods and you know just drawing from them and you know presenting them in the most um honest and pure and i guess most um, modern way that i can i think it's interesting that you talk about how the past informs the present because we've had this conversation before talking about how for many African people, not just artists or writers, but when we talk about the traditional, it can be something that's very limiting because a lot of the time the traditional was very much defined by very colonial tropes that don't necessarily ring true to the reality. So with this in mind, do you think reference to the traditional is of any value to contemporary African aesthetics and art? Uh, that's a good way to look at it. Um, I'd say no, I completely do not. I think that um, as an artist, you must choose what is most natural and important to you and that feeds your subconscious. 
Uh, we need artists' perspective more than anything. So if you are into teddy bears, create the most iconic teddy bear the world has ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and show us why we should also be into it. I do not believe that, uh, you know, we should, as a people, be limited by just traditions, especially as Nigerians and Africans. Even if that is a big part of our culture and who we are, I also think that we must have freedom to to express our ourselves in other ways. I think that's really interesting because I completely agree. I don't think, you know, I don't think that we should be constrained by the past and feel the need to com- to continuously replicate certain certain tropes, certain images as well. Because I feel like while for us it might be um in a strange way, kind of reconnecting to the past. I feel like a lot of the time, especially internationally, when we try and express our links to the traditional, it's not at all seen with any nuance. And we've, we've, we've also spoken about that as well. And, you know, this whole idea of, of the term African art being lazy and reductive. Can you expand more on, on this? Um, so, I mean, I'd say just back to our conversation, uh, back to the question, um, I think I think a big thing for me is that I, I feel like as an artist, you're already free and you should be free with what you want to speak about, the perspective you want to have. You know, really and truly, if you're actually into Disney characters, you know, you should show everybody why it's important. So I think that my problem comes when it comes to art in this region, in this part of the world, then there are these limits and expectations. And I feel like once that starts to occur, you know, it starts to reduce the freedom of the artist. And it's so deep because then you have artists who are actually not free but, you know, they are creating to what is expected. So in terms of expectations, it's like, what do they now expect from, you know, artists? And then you now dig deep into what do they even classify as African arts? What is the, what has been the documentation around it? What is the popular thing around it? And even to today, you know, I think there is this new idea of, Afro-optimism, which is great and amazing. And, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's good to be optimistic. Um, But I think it's like a marketing ploy to still put it under a a box and sell it. It's kind of sad because, you know, I see it as, let's say, if we're going through a period of, you know, like, let's say some sort of black pain. Mm-hmm. It's just like the art world's way of repackaging something to resell it. And, you know, I mean, I don't mean to be controversial or anything. I just think that it's a very lazy term. I think that there's a lot more we can, you know, deal with and we can talk about as creators, as writers, as filmmakers, as fashion designers, mm. as, uh, you know, artists. And we should definitely not limit ourselves to expectations because it feeds the ecosystem, you know, it feeds the collectors of the works, it feeds the 
museums, you know, it feeds the viewers of the works as well, the people who are new into it, the youth, the kids who are coming into it. And so I think I like my work to really, really just speak to my personality and to speak to my people and to also understand that it's not for everybody and that is okay and it does not need to have a limit and that is also okay for me. I feel when you talk about the term African art being lazy, reductive, I can identify with this because I think a lot of the time, especially now where we as young people are questioning the power of language, whether it's when we're talking about race, when we're talking about gender, and when we're talking about sexuality, I think we've gotten to a point where the English language as we know it doesn't reflect our reality. Because I think when we look at the term Africa, we know Africa means there are, what, 52, 53, 54 countries in Africa. But I feel like the problem is the moment that word Africa is used, there's no nuance. It could be Egypt. It could be Nigeria. It could be Ethiopia. It could be Kenya. It's all Africa. And they make it seem as though we are all close neighbors. But the reality is it takes the same amount of time to fly from Lagos to London as it does to fly from Lagos to Johannesburg in South Africa. And so I kind of feel like it's a valid point trying to move away from this term African and Africa, because I really do feel like at this point, there's just, it's such a loaded word that it's like, do we spend the time reclaiming that word or do we just coin our own phrases and phrases that speak more to our reality? And that leads me to your, your phrase, neo-Africanism. Do you think these new experiments in language, like you're doing with that term, do you think that corrects how lazy and reductive the term African art is? Um, so, I mean, uh, just off of what you said, I think also that um, with the heaviness that we feel that the term Africa is, I also think is also very important. So like, let's say we compare Africa to Europe and just something like traveling. I think Africa is so separated just because we can't travel, you know, as fluid as someone in Europe can travel very fluidly and so you know when we really even ask the question of why Africa and why is it banded together so forcefully we have to interrogate it more to just you know really understand why is this and you know how do we even understand the label so I think uh, to answer your question more directly on neo-Africanism I think um, first of all New Africa is created by a Nigerian, by someone who is operating today in the art field here. And I am trying as much as possible to just speak to um, more relevant experiences and more, um, more things that are close to home to me and, you know, kind of defined the modern Nigerian, the young youth Nigerian, the spirits of the creators today. And um, I feel like um, 
I kind of want to use this terminology to kind of speak to the people about what is happening now and also what's, um, what's, how is important for us mm-hmm. also document what is happening now and have it under a category. Um, and yeah, so, um, you know, there's still a lot of, um, there's still a lot of reflection on my own end around the name mm-hmm. in the sense that, um, do I want it to, you know, stand on the, on Neo Africa or do I want it to be something different? So it's still a lot of reflection on that. So, um, so yeah, so I think what is most important is that we as creators of today's world who are based in different region of Africa start to question the term that we are given and also start to understand the limitations this term gives us and also start to see it as an opportunity for us to, you know, use it as a way to also tell new and unique stories that the world has never seen before because they do exist and our experiences are so unique as Nigerians, for example. Like, you know, sometimes I go out and I just take pictures of crazy stuff and you can see a horse, you know, a stray horse crossing the road. (laughs) And, you know, it's such a beautiful thing that, you know, Mm -hmm. two minutes later, you see a Lamborghini, like just driving down that same road, you know, it's such a juxtaposition. And I feel like no other place in the world offers the kind of, 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 of just, of just irony (laughs) that, you know, Lagos could offer or, you know, the kind of vibrancy, you know, they, there's this, everyone uses the word vibrancy when they speak on Lagos, but it's so potent that, you know, you can't even escape the word because it is the best definition of, of the city, you know, from Mm -hmm. who we are to the style, to the, where we express ourselves, just even the way we speak. Broken English is such a, an expressive language, you know. And so, um, so yeah, so for me, I'm just more like in this period, just trying to document it through my works and also document it through different forms of creating, through writing, through filmmaking, through fashion design. So, in essence, we're trying to. I'm trying to work with a bunch of creators in different sectors in the Nigerian market and bring us together and just think. That's all I want us to do: to think and see the importance of us to record this moment, just press record and make sure that it doesn't just wash away. Because this is also a very important moment in the history of the world, and yeah, we're playing a role. I completely agree on you saying, you know, Africa is playing a role in, in the world and in the way that we're moving and the way that, you know, what is our near future and our far future going to look like? And this leads me to focusing on on technology, because I think something that strikes me about your work is your embrace of technology, you know, whether it's you not being afraid to show something like an iPhone, you know what I mean? To depict an iPhone in your work, mm. which I think, I don't know. It's always interesting because I think a lot of people shy away from, from very literal interpretations of the technology in our lives, even though they play a very, very big role. But I feel like you completely embrace that. And even looking at your AR project where your sculpture could be anywhere in the world. Yeah. 
I think this is, you know, the work you do is really interesting and important because Africa is always thought of as the next frontier in technology, as though we aren't already using technology, we aren't already creating our own technologies, and we aren't already kind of expressing ourselves in tech in our own unique ways that speak of our own unique problems. Why is technology so important in your practice? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I love everything you said there. <laughs> I wish I was writing. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, honestly. Um, so for me, personally, I, I've always said this and I've always believed this. I think technology was born in Africa. You know, I think technology was born in my village in Anambra States in, in Newi. I think <laughs> technology has existed there. I'll just say why, because uh, this also feeds a lot into my work and into my why I use masks and helmets and just reference this traditions. Um, growing up, you know, I used to, I'm Igbo, one big thing about the Igbos, as you know, we always go back to the village because everyone comes to Lagos to hustle mm. and we go back to the village in Christmas to, you know, just spend time with family and I guess for our family to also flex over, make it in, making it in Lagos is how we're living <laughs> and stuff. So um, um, I know that going back when I was much younger, I always used to get the opportunity to, you know, just um, experience like different festivals, you know, like let's say you see a festival where you see masquerades, you see different people in masks and all of that. And I remember as just a young kid, I always used to ask questions like, why are they in this mask? You know, what does it mean? And I remember they always used to tell me that when these guys put on the mask or they put on the masquerade costume, they are transformed and they are in a different realm, you know, a realm that is not of this earth. And for me, that was so interesting because I was like, if these guys are engaging with that, what's, what is to say that they are not already, they are not in space right now? What is to say they are not, you know, just interacting with the, with a higher being or any of that sort? And, you know, just being an adult today and seeing something like the VR goggles, I think uh, like the first time I put it on, I think as I was moving and trying to touch things, I had this epiphany, you know, just I remember that, oh, wow, as a kid, I used to see people do this. And today this is like modern technology and all of that. I think it made me start to question why did we see that and not call it technology? You know, why did we see that and not even categorize it? We just categorize it as tradition, as, you know, cultural, as all of those things. But it's still science fiction, you know, and that is why when people are like artists in Africa should not engage, like when you start creating something that's futuristic, they call it Afrofuture. I'm like, no, no, that's what we even call folklore here. Like that is a, like for us, you know, we're futurists, we're science fiction geniuses already, <laughs> you know, just giving, just, you know, just being able to even believe that humans fly, even being able to believe in spirits and things out, out, out of this world, out of space. I think we're already so in tune with technology i just think that what the west offers is tools to connect <laughs> but i think 
was constantly connecting or finding connections as as a people in Nigeria. So um, I do think technology is very important. I do think for me, I try to just reflect on it in a way where I have a character who is, you know, who is immersed in the experience of them wearing a mask and, you know, they could be in the, in any environment. I think the environment is is a factor of their own expression or their own reaction to it. I think that's so fascinating because I'm thinking about it now and you're so right. When we talk about technology now and like you said, like VR and putting on those goggles and being in this whole other world where on the outside you look like an idiot just like bumbling around or whatever. But then to you personally, you're in this whole other world. You're so right because it's like, how is that different from a person who has now, I guess, taken on the persona of a spirit and isn't with us anymore. Mm. And on the outside, we see this man in this costume dancing and doing all these tricks. But on the inside, it's like, what is he experiencing? And the only difference is one is a mask and one is goggles with with wires and circuit mm. boards and all of that in mm. there. Yeah. And I also think it's interesting how... You also talk about how let's not talk about Afro futures and Afro futurism. Let's just talk about futurism. Mm. And this, of course, then goes back to what we were earlier talking about in terms of, you know, the use of the word Africa and Afro. And in the context of futurism, do you think we should just talk about futurism as opposed to putting that prefix Afro? Mm. Um, I think the future needs to be free from segregation and separation. Um, so I think uh, just near future will do. Just saying even the near future mm-hmm. we will do. I mean, we already have a lot of people who are already participating to include Black people in the narrative of the future because we've always felt that we've been neglected in those conversations. But I think... Um, it's very important that we also include ourselves in just the text future and normalize that. You know, I think by adding anything in front of it, it separates it. So, yeah, so I think the future belongs to the world. And I think everyone is playing a role. And if aliens come, you know, aliens are not going to be like, oh, um, those guys in Africa, those they are gonna come for humanity, <laughs> and, um, or you know, even now that there's a lot of space exploration going on, it's like um, it's very important that it's also not segregated in the outer space that different countries start putting their flags like we know they would. Um, I just think that we should be free to explore and. All these terminologies, uh, they already exist. No need for anything in front of it, in my opinion. And how does futurism inform your work? One key element for futurism to me is potential. Um, I think um, I want my work to speak on just, um, just the potential of what is to come. And... I like to use the tools that I'm given today to kind of explore that theme, to express that complex idea of what the future could be. 
And, uh, you know, I think the beauty about arts is that it helps us to deal with critical issues and topics and it helps us break it down to the most elementary form and it brings more people to interact with this and understand these topics. And for example, like let's say things like artificial intelligence, things like climate change, or even things like the virus that we're experiencing today. I think in order for everyone to understand it, someone has to tell a compelling story. Someone has to put together a compelling Netflix documentary, mm. <laughs> you know, just to help people who don't normally understand these things to, you know, just have a bit of understanding of what it is. So I think for me, I just like my work to kind of break things down to the most simple and raw as form of it and, you know, allow people to also participate by bringing their imagination into it. And, um, and yeah, and I think for me, it's just important that there's that dialogue between the viewer and uh, work. And I think that's the only way um, we can be able to, you know, just engage with the themes that futurism has to offer. When we talk about futurism, I kind of feel like we have to talk about Afro-pessimism, mm. both in an ideological sense and also just simply the way people are thinking about their futures with what we've seen in Nigeria and many other African countries where this pandemic has just aggravated issues that were already there. Mm. But I feel like your work offers a more hopeful alternative to this Afro-pessimism. Why do you focus on, I suppose, a more hopeful future as opposed to the doom and gloom that we see around? Uh, so I think for me, every time I create my starting point is always progression. I want to be progressive. I want to be optimistic. And, you know, I want to make sure that um, I use my imagination because uh, imagination is very essential to my work. I think, um, I think art is important more than ever because uh, not only does it have the ability to speak to the future, it has the power to tell complex stories in simple and um, poetic ways and, you know, to provoke the imagination and encourage people to, you know, go further and to celebrate. So I think when it comes to, you know, just creating around, you know, the context of Nigeria, I like to engage with Nigeria on its more hopeful aspect of its more what is to come that is not to say that my works are not also critical because I also try to deal with things that are critical issues. But again, humor is also something that's very important to my work. And, you know, I think it's also helps just provide the message in a very palatable way and allow people engage in, uh, in a, in a very much, you know, in a more comfortable way. So, so, so I think for me, um, I, I choose to celebrate mm -hmm. and that's, I think is what us can do. And it's supposed to celebrate and not, uh, more like manipulate. Again, I also think that, um, 
as as Nigerians, you know, we know there are problems, you know, we, we know there are, you know, lots of things that we can do better in. But as a creative, I'm starting to even think that we just need models that harness and just manifest the potential of Nigeria. And for me, like through creativity, we can hand, we can create a new model. If every time you go out, you see more like hopeful stuff, it automatically makes you more hopeful. Even if you're in ruins, you know, you see more color, you see more optimism. I think it's also a way to kind of fight back. I mean, like I was speaking to my friend and I was like, um, from next year, from January next year, I don't want to go to any exhibition that reminds me of COVID. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear about it. You know, mm-hmm. I just want works that are just speaking outside of it that allows me to escape, that feed me differently as opposed to the obvious. Because I also think that there is that thing of people also trying to benefit from from the pain and the social consciousness of you know the noun mm-hmm. and not that it's not important all these are all important perspectives but i choose the perspective of imagination of new possibilities of hope <laughs> and um yeah and i hope more people connect to this and it gives more people more reason to do as opposed to complain with talking about you know art offering a more optimistic future and allowing people to escape from scary times like we're seeing now. How do you think art can inform the way we as Nigerians think about our personal and collective future? Like I said, you know, art already helps us deal with critical issues and it breaks it down to its most elementary form. And, um, I'll say, like, for me and my work, it lends itself a lot to, you know, thinking about the future. And I'll give an example of my first ever exhibition in Lagos, uh, which dealt with uh, space exploration. It was titled Remember the Future. And I think the inspiration came from me watching CNN and them announcing that Nigeria plans on going to space in 2030. And I thought that that was so fascinating because this was back in 2016, 2017. And we had just had an election that was clearly rigged. We had just come out of a recession. It was just a time where it was like, this is insane to even learn that we have a space program. And I think even the CNN anchor, if that's what they call them, when she said it, she was kind of giggling that Nigeria has a space program. <laughs> even Nigerians learning about it are like, really? What is it called? And <laughs> why? And, you know, are we going to use generators to power the space rockets? What? Whoa, how far? You get so, um, so I think for me, once I saw that, I thought it was just very important to, you know, use it as the creative material, as the idea. And it's like we are thinking about the future, but how we critically approaching it in the sense that what's so for me was a very critical exhibition. It raised a lot of questions and it also raised a lot of hope. In the sense that I dealt with a lot of recent issues Nigeria is going through, like, you know, lack of electricity, poor leadership, 
I also dealt with a lot of, you know, positive things like how resilient we are, you know, how with everything is possible for us to achieve this dream. So I separated the exhibition into two phases. The first phase was us dealing with our issues, you know, like poor governance, poor, um, you know, just everything that is a problem that we all know Nigeria faces. And then on the upper side of the exhibition, it was more us achieving the dream. Mm. And, you know, I think for me, I found that when people got to that bit of us achieving the dream, there was more of a, wow, you know, it's possible. But, you know, we actually have to approach the future in a way where we are thinking about it more critically. We are questioning it. We are understanding that every act today as Nigerians is affecting our future. Everyone we bring into power is affecting our future. Even every decision people in power make is affecting the future to come. For me, like I like to believe that with art, I can deal with critical issues. I keep using the word critical for the lack of a better word. <laughs> but I think with art, we can deal with very important issues and really, 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 really bring the whole community together to kind of just have a dialogue even if it's a simple dialogue even if it's a complex dialogue and even if they're the people that do not even want to have the dialogue you know at least they are present and they are there and i think that is what artists like me can do to inform the future and allow nigerians to start mm -hmm. thinking what is the future of nigeria how can we achieve going to space and for example with my depiction of us in space you know we're very very colorful space suits we had the most beautiful helmets because you know that's nigerians you know we also like to show off if we achieve something like that we would like to show the world that look you gave us nothing and we're able to do everything mm -hmm. with it and <laughs> in the story of Nigeria, you could see someone who trains in in a Nigerian school as a doctor and they go out and they kill it. So I'm just like, there's that possibility. All we just have to do is come together and think and work, create. I literally just had the funniest thoughts. I thought about like Ashori being in space. <laughs> 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 you know, it would be so heavy that it wouldn't float. It would just be on the floor. <laughs> or like Ankara spacesuits or something. Because <laughs> I feel like Nigerians, we're not just going to buy the run-of-the-mill white spacesuits. It can't happen. How? How? <laughs> In a whole space. How? How? We must take, oh my God, it would be a sight. It would be a sight. <laughs> we would go. We would actually make space exploration cool. We'll make it cool again. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> we'll actually, like everybody want to be. Uh, like you know how everybody wants to be something that you know, like let's say that is brought forward by pop culture. Like you know, you want to be a musician. Mm. Everybody want to be a, a space explorer, space. scientist. <laughs> you know, like that's the new swag. <laughs> you know, I just want to. Where am I sure be there? <laughs> Show them. <laughs> yeah. You didn't go to art school, but your career is thriving and you're just so eloquent when it comes to your process, your work, and just your environment. 
What advice can you give to young artists, writers, creators who may not have formal training, but are trying to find their voice in their craft? I would say if you could do anything else but being be an artist, go and do it. <laughs> you know, honestly, I'd, I wouldn't advise anybody to be an artist, but when you do choose or when, you know, life forces you to become an artist, I'd say <laughs> it's very important that you are, um, you know, you are in tune in the sense that you feed your subconscious, you know, make sure you're always, you're always immersed in your work through reading, through attending shows, through speaking to people. Just make sure you're always feeding yourself. You're doing things that feed yourself and the work you do. I would also say it's very important to be very honest, forget all the complex stories and just tell the most authentic story to you because that's what makes your story unique. I also would say keep it simple, keep it fresh, keep it silly, just keep it you. Mm. I would also say artists, creators are the hardest working people on this planet because we work every day, we work every time, our mind is always working. So you have to also understand that you owe it to yourself to work very hard. Just immerse yourself in it. And uh, also make sure with the opportunities you're being given, you're thoroughly thinking about them because the things you say no to are equally as important as the opportunities you say yes to. Mm -hmm. It's very important that, you know, you just don't do things for hype. You just don't do things for validation, you know, for people to pat you on the back. If you want to do something more long-term, you have to really think about every step you make and how it's affected. But that's not to say you shouldn't make mistakes because we all make mistakes. And um, do you, do your thing. Um, be very, like, I think I'm also blessed because, you know, I studied business. Mm -hmm. So I think um, I have, uh, my undergrad was in business. My mm -hmm. uh, master's was in innovation and entrepreneurship. And I think, what those two courses taught me, like a business taught me more to understand how a business runs and innovation and entrepreneurship taught me about how to present ideas to the world. If it's an innovative business you want to push, how do you present it to the world? So presentation is key. Make sure you are with every idea you create, you know, mm -hmm. make sure it's also being communicated well. So, Look at it as every Instagram post counts, every Twitter post around your work counts. Yeah. Even if you get five likes, even if you get two likes, the most important thing is that you've told the story that is important to the work. Mm. You shine the light on the most important part of the work on why people should look at it. So, um, yeah, so... I think it's just a combination of everything, but I'd say the general advice I, I will give to anybody, just immerse yourself in it. Um, let's become your, your, your coffee in the morning. Let's mm. become your, your lunch at, in the afternoon. Let it become maybe your dinner, you know, and I think with that, every progress will feel like a new challenge mm -hmm. and you know that's what will keep you inspired and now my last question is 
In what ways do you see the Nigerian art landscape changing and evolving? Where do you want it to be in the near future? It's, uh, it's still a young industry and in its time, it needs more in the ecosystem to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, from when I say it needs more in the ecosystem, I mean from critiques to curators to more galleries to more collection houses. It's always in different phases, but I would say that I'm not too worried about it. I think art was born because of our need to understand our existence as a people. So art in Nigeria will always take care of herself, no matter what. I think that's a beautiful way to end this section. So in this next section, I like to do rapid fire questions because I feel like that just, I don't know, we get to know you better. So I'll give you two options and you choose, you know, what you what you prefer out of the two. Okay. Right? So okay. my first question is watercolor or acrylic? Acrylic. Augmented reality or virtual reality? Augmented reality. Mask or helmet? Wow. Mask because <laughs> <laughs> I say mask because um it's it's uh it's an artifact it lasts forever night owl or early bird uh early bird festac or lecky <laughs> yo 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 that's the <laughs> toughest that's the toughest <laughs> i uh lecky sell out <laughs> <laughs> photography or film whoa photography Podcast or documentary? Podcast all day. (laughs) (laughs) Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. iPhone or MacBook? Whoa, you can't do that to me. iPhone or MacBook? (laughs) Jesus Christ. Uh, iPhone, iPhone. (laughs) Mouse or paintbrush? Mouse. Hmm. Vibrant color or monochrome? Whoa. Monochrome. Gin or wine? <laughs> this is evil. This is evil. <laughs> wow. Wine, wine. <laughs> Sculpture or painting? Jesus. Uh, Sculpture, painting. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> painting, painting, yeah. Naramali or pop smoke? Wow. Naramali all day. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said Naramali or Burner Boy. That's a harder, that would have been harder for you. That would be so easy. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm going to ask that. Naramali or Burner Boy. Really? Burner Boy. I mean, fair. I'm a stand. <laughs> I am a stand. <laughs> Afrofuturism or Africa's future? Uh, Africa's future. So we're moving on to the final, final bit of this episode. And that's, talking about the three texts that have shaped the way you think. And I say text because it can be books, articles, poems. Somebody even said like a song. So yeah, three texts that have shaped the way you think. I'll start with this one. Um, This helped me when I started and it helped me just define what I wanted to do. And the text is uh, different strokes for different folks. (laughs) You know, I think... As an individual, as a human being, you should definitely understand that whatever you do is not for everybody. 
and learn to be very comfortable with that. Mm. That's the first quote. The second one, um, this was from a book by um, Martin Craig Martin, and it's called On Being an Artist. And he said, um, the potential for passion exists in everyone, but to be developed productively, it needs to be recognized, valued, and worked at. So um, in essence, you know, I feel like that textbook to me because I think everybody has the potential to, you know, to to have a talent, you know, and people always think talent means, you know, something supernatural and gifted from beyond. But I just think if there is anything that you do freely, you can develop passion for it and passion produces energy and that energy is what is going to push you ahead of everyone else. When we look at, like, let's say people like Ronaldo, you know, people like LeBron, you know, I wouldn't say, like, you know, they are the most talented athletes, but, you know, I think they are the most passionate and that's their driving force as athletes. For the last quotes or for the last text, I would say um, this was from House of Cards, um, Kevin Spacey. He said, imagination is an act of courage. And for me, like, that's like the mic drop <laughs> because um, I feel like every time I've made works, I think the more imaginative I've made them in the sense that the more abstract, the more, you know, the more I push the work, the more, the more connected I've been to the work. So the more I even hold that work daily because I think, for every artist to create, you know, you're already courageous for every writer to write, for every filmmaker to take on a budget of even one million naira, $200 million to produce a film or a perspective <laughs> on this earth. It's, it's an act of courage. And so, you know, I think, yeah, those are three quotes that really inform and help my thinking and being as a human being. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much for giving me your time and talking so eloquently about, you know, art, the future, Africa, <laughs> African art, neo-Africanism, everything. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been such a great conversation. And yeah, look forward to more chats together. And yeah, enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> yes to that. To find out more about Dennis's work and his upcoming exhibitions, go to his website, dennisosadebe.com. You can also follow him on Instagram at dennisosadebe. You can find me on Instagram where I'll be reading and reviewing books at myowa underscore reads. Thank you for listening. Thank you.